0: The second reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order, listen to my appeal. Agree with one another, live in peace. And the God of love and peace, peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit Be
1: with all of you. Twenty-nine chapters. That's the full extent of the Apostle Paul's correspondence with the believers at Corinth. And for anyone who thinks that religion is just kind of fluffy stuff... Read Corinthians sometime. It is an argument. It is debate. It is a faith community and its leader going back and forth, chapter after chapter, and sometimes it even gets just a little bit personal. But at the end of all of that, the last thing Paul says is how we so often begin our church services. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In whatever challenges or disagreements or disappointments we face individually or as faith communities, we are bound together by this communion of faith that is filled with grace and spirit. The next thing I asked Michelle about was... um, She's an African-American woman, and she's married to Leo, a native Spanish speaker. What has been her experience and, and his and her families of racism? And so she talks about that. She just kind of takes us through her life. But at the end, she gets to the crux of the matter, which is what every mother most wants for her children. You know, it's
0: interesting um, because my husband is probably on a hit day, maybe your color, because he fades out pretty well. Um, he's a lighter Latino, um, of Mexican descent. But when he opens his mouth, it's clear you know, who he is. But um, a lot of people have um, mistaken him for being white, which I don't get when you look at his features, but they do. Um, and so his, his reality has been very different until he opens his mouth and then things change. Um, also, with me being a person of color, I experience um, racism but much more subtly. It is not the same as what my boys, particularly my oldest son, has shared with me, as well as some of my colleagues that I work with, that people um, my African American Baptist uh, clergy, some of the things that they experience, both those that live out towards Menominee Falls and those that live on the east side or in you know, the, the um, predominantly black neighborhoods in Milwaukee, but they've all had the same kinds of experiences. Um, so, again, doesn't matter what your level of education is. It doesn't matter even if you're clergy or not, or some respected, you know, profession. When you are in a car or you are walking around in everyday clothing, you're just another black man. And um, the... The stereotypes, you know, there are stereotypes because there's some truth to it, that black men in general have been um, on the top of the list of being singled out for all sorts of things, and it's been happening, you know, for hundreds of years, and it, as much as we think we've progressed, I think we've just gotten more sophisticated about it. And all of the taping of the various people who have died, and most recently, of course, um, Mr. Floyd, I think has finally put it out there where no one can deny the fact that excessive force and um, police brutality um, is a reality and it's disproportionately higher for people of color. It happens to everybody, but particularly to people of color and within that uh, demographic, um, brown, black and brown men. And even for me, seeing that, was difficult, because people were taping it, people were screaming, and I had some of my white colleagues say, well, why didn't they, like, just rush forward? And I said, because they would have been shot by the other ones standing there. And you know, and that's the reality that we live with, that um, a white person, if they were there, may have started to move because that is not their reality, whether it be through people who are their family members or friends that is not where they live. And so they can think differently. Whereas for us, it's been instilled or ingrained by circumstances or just through stories that we realize that we do not have the power at this point to do that without risking the same for ourselves. So taping was the best that could be done, but thankfully, you know, the truth is finally out and nobody can deny it. And I think COVID also has shown You know, where racism shows up and where um, all of the isms intersect for people, as well as now this incident and others, that um, we are living in very dangerous times, and that for those of us who are people of faith, whatever your faith tradition is, that we cannot continue to divide ourselves or to um, believe that just praying on our knees is enough. It requires active prayer, it requires advocacy, and in our faith tradition of being a Christian, that means being like Jesus, and um, you know, disrupting some things. It doesn't mean that we are to go out and riot, but it does mean that we need to understand why some people are rioting and feel that they have no other access. And then, of course, there are always opportunists that take advantage of that. But the great majority of people, I believe, are trying to send a message that enough is enough. And thankfully, um, this millennial generation um, is standing up and not just doing it, um, Saying intelligent banter. They are living out what their parents have instilled in them with their values and their faith. And we're seeing it in the protests and the marches. And, um, signs and just the unity that is um, here but I'm my greatest hope is that it is not just a moment in time because for my generation um, which are Generation Xers a lot of us grew up during um, before Cosby got known for other things where he was still a good person I was thinking about Family Ties and the Cosby show and we were that generation And there were people who were definitely Republicans, but they were Republicans that still saw the humanity in other people. It was more about economics and um, other things and less about color. And the kind of school I went to, which was Rufus King, it was a college prep school. We came from all over, I mean, literally all over the city and the county. And um, we just did not prescribe to that. Um, We were better than that. We were bigger than that and um, we still, most of us are like it, at least those of us from the 1980 to 1987. That for sure was the group, um, and you see us. a lot of us are in legislature now, um, in the court systems, or in other areas where we're in leadership, but we still have those very real relationships because they were built on who we were as people and what's about what our ethnicity was. But we never wanted anybody to be colorblind, meaning our um, friends of European descent or those of us of color. It was like, I want you to see who I am because Mm -hmm. that is a part of who I am, but that's not the only thing that defines me. And I think that is where America has gotten caught up. And when we say we don't want to see color, we're fooling ourselves because we see it all the time. And I think we ought to see it because that is also what makes us unique as a country that we're so diverse. And if we really accept that and learn our history, then we can be so much better and rise to being who we say we want to be because we have yet to be great in my opinion, but we have a wonderful opportunity with all the scales dropping off of all of our eyes and realizing that the time is now. It's not tomorrow, it's right now. And for me, being a mother of uh, five brown, black boys. I'm scared every day when my oldest goes out, particularly now that he's shared with me um, that every time he leaves his house, he's afraid that he might not make it back home. And that is not a reality that I have ever really entertained for him. For certain other children of color, but not mine. And the reality that I cannot protect him is very sobering.
1: Every mom, every dad, any parent just wants their kids to be safe. And in this world, maybe by ourselves, we cannot do that. But together, it becomes possible, especially if we are built on something solid, like Jesus, our cornerstone.